The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The Director General of RTE said yesterday that RTE will ask Ryan Tuberty to pay back 150000 from outstanding Renault events that haven't as yet happened in a continuing escalation of the war of words between the two parties. He also did not accept Ryan Tuberty's list of seven untruths. Now, to discuss the fallout, I'm joined by Bauer Media's political correspondent, Sean Defoe, and by the Chair of the Committee on Media, Tourism, Arts, Culture, Sport and the Gwaeltocht, Eneve Smith, and people not familiar with Neve's work uh, watching the media committee will now be very familiar with uh, the uh, work in the chair that she did. Good morning and welcome to you both. Sean, we'll go to you first just to give us the headlines of what occurred yesterday. Yeah, well, uh, like sort of confusing and confusing her was the the way things went. I mean, even there you were talking about uh, giving back the 150,000 money. Even that is sort of in dispute because Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly came in on Tuesday and said, as far as they understood it, they owed six events to Renault. And if they didn't do those six events to Renault, uh, for Renault, they would pay back 150,000 euro. Then yesterday we heard that actually there are no events owned, owed to Renault in the view in Renault in the view of RTE to pay back that money. Uh, uh, but the Kevin Backers would would ask for it back. Yet there is no legal obligation for Ryan Tuberty. So it would seem as though RTE paid 150,000 euro for events it didn't think were actually owed or would ever fall due, and that Renault are, are now incredibly unlikely to ever want, given that they are entirely prefaced on being late late show events with a mock up late late show set, and Ryan Tuberty is no longer the late late show host. So it's all like got into the weeds yesterday, really, and got more confusing. That was one of the big ones. A lot of yesterday was about contesting previous evidence with uh, Adrian Lynch in particular, contesting a lot of what Noel Kelly had to say, contesting that he had never met with Dee Forbes and brought uh, evidence that there was a teams meeting, uh, a one-on-one teams meeting between Dee Forbes and Noel Kelly. And then also contesting this idea uh, that Orti had conceded to underwriting the deal earlier than we thought. That now, big evidence on... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you about uh, the Teams meeting uh, because a Teams meeting is just a phone call with pictures. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. I mean, uh, who knows how many phone calls happened between A, B and C, uh, any of the participants, legal officers in RT, uh, the uh, then DG, any of them. We don't know because such calls, I mean, you'd have to really delve into the RT switchboard, the PABX and try to find out who called who. That might not be possible. Um, so, you know, what is a meeting? What is not a meeting? I don't know. Yeah, and like Adrian Lynch sort of tried to present this as an aha moment, you know, yesterday when I, I don't think it necessarily was. OK, maybe uh, uh, no, Kelly had said they'd never had a, a one-to-one meeting and in fact they'd had had that sort of a meeting or a phone call. But I think the more, the bigger point that Noel Kelly was driving at is that he wasn't besties with D Forbes. He wasn't going for lunch with her every day and was didn't have some sort of an insider relationship. So that remains to be a little bit probed. Uh, he was also contesting this idea that Orti had conceded in March 2020 this email that was came from Bridge Oak to underwrite the deal uh, and Adrian Lynch hit back at that saying it wasn't a final legal position. The argument went back and forwards with Paul McAuliffe uh, in particular saying, okay, maybe it's not a final legal contract. He still conceded the point early on in the negotiations and then the evidence from RTE was, well, actually, maybe we conceded that point in March. We had another meeting of the management team in April at which we said we wouldn't underwrite that deal and then there seems to have been some rush of blood to the head in their argument or some change of mind by D Forbes in which she did it uh, verbally. The other big change or the big event out of yesterday really all related to Brito O'Keefe and I mean she yeah, Before uh, you go on to her by the way just uh, Adrian Lynch was accused by the committee of actually not telling the truth the first time he was there 
And yeah, he said times. he spoke, yeah, he claimed he did speak the truth. And then Kevin Backhurst expressed confidence in Adrian Lynch. I mean, we're going down a very dangerous road here. Yeah, and there was a, a really testy sort of four or five minute exchange between Amelda Monster and Adrian Lynch where she just kept coming back to that point. She said, you came in here two weeks ago and you said you'd asked all of the executive team whether they knew or they had agreed to an underwriting. They all said no. She said that's a mistruth, that, that you misled the committee. He repeatedly said uh, no, he didn't, that he said that there was knowledge that such a deal was being talked about or had been requested from Noel Kelly, but not that it was uh, to be mm. underwritten and cited that meeting again. And in fact, Kevin Backhurst had to interrupt several times to just to allow Adrian Lynch to defend himself because really Imelda Munster sort of went for for, for the jugular there. Um, just to go back to Bridget O'Keefe then, um, because she learned, I suppose, what a, a week in politics can feel like yesterday or last week when she was before the media committee, a lot of the, the politicians there sort of felt that, oh, he, here was the adult in the room. She came in with a very, very strong opening statement that set out a lot of details um, and provided a lot of assurance to the committee. Then on Tuesday, her evidence was entirely questioned by Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty by producing that aforementioned email. Yesterday, she said she wasn't available to attend the Public Accounts Committee, then text Adrian Lynch mid-committee asking him to read out something on her behalf, which he tried to do and was totally shut down by the committee members who said they absolutely couldn't have second-hand evidence being presented. And if Miss O'Keefe has anything to add, she can reappear now, before the Do committee. we know what she was trying to get into the committee? We're not a committee here. We're not uh, ruled by the uh, regulations surrounding uh, committee activities. So, if you know what was in that text, can you tell us? I don't know the full, I don't know the end. I know the start was that uh, once Ms. Ms. O'Keefe would like it to be to be made clear that the uh, not all the entire executive team dot, dot, dot. So we don't know what actually made it at the rest of that committee and the committee shut it down saying that if you if she wants to enter in any more pertinent information and she did in her, mm. her emails to them say she didn't have anything to add to her statement last week, then she can come in and present it. But then to, to add... Even more to that, yesterday uh, we had a lot of questioning about her exit package from RTE. Um, she had revealed she was on one of these uh, voluntary redundancy packages when it came last week. There were a lot of questions about that and about how she got it when maybe others didn't, given that the role was obviously not suppressed, that there was a chief financial officer after her and Richard Collins, who was there yesterday. And then yesterday evening, Kevin Backhurst announced there's now going to be another external review into both the 2017 and 2021 voluntary redundancy packages that, uh, that RT pursued. Yeah, I mean, one of the issues here would be if you're in that position of, uh, you know, financial responsibility um, and you design, you might have a hand in the design of the package, do you know? And, and then mm -hmm. you, you take it yourself. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a, 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 a by the way. But going back to, to Breed O'Keefe, uh, is it possible that she was landed in it by RTE? I mean, she didn't have access to her emails and I don't know whether they had sight of her opening statement, but they would have had sight of her emails. So did they allow her to go in and make a contention that they knew from the emails was not true? I mean, did they land yeah. her in it? Well, possibly. I mean, if she didn't have access to that, there it is possible. These were events three years ago that she wouldn't have remembered the specifics of that particular email. That's been something that's been an issue with these different committees. But at the same time, no one on the committee at that time objected or raised a particular concern. And this brings up who was there, who was actually present, because no one who was CC'd on that email was present in the room at the time. The others who were CC'd on it, uh, Dee Forbes and Jim Jennings, who we know we haven't heard from, that's why I rehearsed, because both have been having health issues. So it is also possible that no one in the room knew of that particular email. And yet Adrian Lynch said he had had sight of it two weeks ago. And that's what really 
you know, led to the, the exchange between Melda Munster and him. He said it wasn't a final negotiating position, so didn't raise it two weeks ago when it was there. Uh, she contested that and a lot of people on the committee feeling, mm. uh, as, as Catherine Murphy put it, that they've got the runaround. All right. Now, you've been following all of this. Um, do you have a sense of what actually is going on? <laughs> yeah, 25 hours later, uh, later, there's been a lot of heat, a lot of light in fairness, but I don't think we have the final position on all this. And we have two key witnesses outstanding. Really, the version of D Forbes is, is where we come down to, because a lot of yesterday went into he said, she said, back and forth that weren't necessarily uh, pertinent to everything. What it looks like overall is that they had tried to agree a pay cut with Ryan Tuberty. He was a valued presenter and so they went to arrange into this this commercial arrangement with him to make sure that he picked up uh, other revenue. At some point there was the agreement to underwrite it and that was the fatal flaw in all of it because initially mm-hmm. RT thought, no, we'll never have to pay a cent of this. It's all through Renault and it might be a bit unusual, but look, he's our star presenter. We're, we're just arranging this. And that was when it all came unstuck. The pandemic hit, commercial revenues fell through the floor for everyone. No one was guaranteeing a €75,000 deal and it all unraveled. And there's sort of a key week there where decisions were made seemingly by D Forbes, if you, if you believe what the committee said yesterday, uh, to underwrite the deal when others thought they shouldn't. And that's that sort of pertinent little time period. We've narrowed all yeah. the rest down to, to find out what happened. So here we are. We have a, a situation where there's now going to be an investigation into those severance packages. Um, Ryan Tuberty has been asked for, if he wants to, um, no legal obligation to, to give back uh, money. Meantime, they've said they're not paying his invoice for June because he's not doing the work. Um, it's kind of interesting, that one, because he did obviously work part of the month uh, of June and therefore yeah. he would be owed something. But also, he didn't step down. They stepped him down. So, you know, you're not working. Well, I want to work. Uh, you're yeah. not working. We're not going to pay you. I want to work. You know, so this argument will uh, perhaps go legal. Who knows? Uh, it could well. And in fairness, I think that what Kevin Backers was saying yesterday was not that he's not working. It was more that they don't have an agreed fee because his previous contract was was it didn't set out. Here's what your radio money is and here's what your TV money was. It was a combined deal, if you like. So they were in negotiations to work out now that he stepped away from the late late. Well, what is the figure for your radio services? There was no conclusion to that before yeah. all of this happened. So it's not necessarily that they, they don't want to pay him as they haven't agreed on how much he's due to be paid. So we don't know how yeah. much he invoiced for and or to are contesting that, obviously. Mm, all right. Well, we shall see how all of that uh, unfolds. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for all your reporting on the, uh, this story over the past uh, few weeks. Neve Smith, uh, Chair of the Committee on Media, Tourism, Arts, Culture, Sport and the Gwethlet, uh, uh, who is... Uh, is she there? Yeah. Neve, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Sorry about that. No, no, no problem. I was talking to Sean at some length. Um, first of all, uh, I want to say, you know, you, your chairing of the media committee, which I watched the other afternoon, was very courteous and, and very polite. You, you gave everyone a chance to say what they wanted to say. Oh, well, thank you very much, Pat. I know it's a difficult uh, situation for people and, and I, I do always take into account our witnesses are probably not that used to that environment, um, whereas colleagues and members are, we're in there every week. <laughs> so um, I think it's only it's only uh, right that everybody has mm. a fair opportunity to represent themselves. Now, if there was any complaint about the two committees, the PAC and the Media uh, Committee, it would be repetition. And, uh, you know, I'm often thinking of these uh, court cases in the, the United States, you see them on the telly and someone asks a question and uh, there'll be an objection from counsel for the witness saying, asked and answered. And the judge will say, yes, asked and answered. Move on, please. Uh, were you ever tempted to do that with all the repetition, the same question again and again? 
Hmm. Asked and answered. <laughs> asked, asked and not answered. Uh, Neve, are you there? No, we seem to have uh, lost Neve for the moment. Um, the reason I ask that is because if there was anything that uh, people were complaining about as the committee probed, both the PAC and the media committee, it was that you, know, you get the question asked and uh, fairly definitively answered by any of the witnesses, be it RT witnesses or uh, Noel Kelly or Ryan Tuberty, uh, and then you get the same question asked again by somebody else. And I kept wondering why the chairs didn't say, well, hang on a second, guys, we've asked that question already four times. You're asking it a fifth time and you're not going to get a different answer. Um, But seemingly that is not the way of committees every TD, because probably they're from different parties. They have to uh, be given their chance to frame the question as they would like to frame it rather than one of their colleagues from a different political party uh, would have framed it. So I think Neve is back. Neve, <laughs> I'm sorry about Hello, all of this. Third time, Loki. Third time, <laughs> so, Loki. So tell us, this business of, you know, the question was asked already and answered already. Can we move on? That's not really the way either of uh, the chairs, yourself or the PAC chair, handle things. Um, Pat, look, it's been a difficult couple of weeks and, and I suppose the difficulty has been the drip feed of information, which has uh, somewhat led to having to go back over certain questions. Maybe not the fulsome answers that you, you would probably have to agree yourself, anybody watching on our first uh, engagement with the witnesses from RT Executive at our very first meeting, I did, as I said publicly, like they came in without any statements, any opening statements, which is not the normal um, way. This is when the story had just broke. It was their first opportunity to present to the media committee. And the media committee has responsibility under the minister's department for RTE. Um, so th- therefore, we were trying to elicit information with nothing to go on other than what we were hearing and reading in the media. Mm-hmm. So that made it a-, a big challenge. Now, just to say that Shun Raleigh, the chair of the board, of course, did make an opening statement, but none of the executive did. So that made it a real challenge and difficulty for the members to try and get some information, get sort of some insight of, of what was going on here. And then to compound that, I suppose, lack of information was this this perception, I suppose, that the executive gave themselves, which was that one department didn't really talk to the other department. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I don't know what was going on in the office beside me, which really was incredible. Now, you will see from the second engagement that we had with the executive, completely different. Um, and, and of course, that was because we had more information to hand, more information available to us through people like your, your good self and Sean Defoe and many others that were kind of getting into the, into the nitty gritty with us. It is a difficulty when you have two, two committees, I suppose, uh, investigating the same topic. But just to say, my own committee has remit over RT and we're responsible for things like corporate governance, like expenditure, like policy. And they were, I suppose, the topics that we were mainly trying to interrogate, whereas pack where I suppose trying to follow the money trail. Now what questions remain uh, for you and in a moment we'll talk about uh, you know where RTE needs to go but what questions remain with you after all of the interrogations? Well, like I, I heard what Sean said at the very beginning there, and there is such ambiguity about the Reynolds deal, the underwriting of that, uh, the fact that Mr. Tuberty has been paid for that and as he uh, admitted himself that there's still outstanding work owing to Reynolds for that. Again, that goes against what RTE would have said. There, there, there are, are things that have been said at committee that are really difficult to, for, for members to, to consider as credible arguments, to be honest with you. 
And I'm not sure with the absence of voices, the, the absence of voices as critical to this whole debate, such as Dee Forbes, such as Jim Jennings. Um, I think there are two voices that could add a lot to it, trying to get to the heart of it and to answer those unanswered questions. So we may actually never. I don't know if they're physically um, going to be in a position to come back, because as you know, they've been unwell. The committee mm-hmm. does stand available to meet with either of those two witnesses when and if they are available. But I think it, without their voices, we might never get the actual, as, as you know, Pat, from all the interrogation you would do as a presenter, in any story, there's both sides and somewhere in the middle is the truth. But I think we're, we're, we're void of those voices. And as I said, we may, may never get to them. I think it's important, you know, with the, inter, with the new DG brought into the frame and only a week into the job that um, a lot of interrogation has been done. There's a lot of hurt, I'm sure, there with the staff. There's a lot of annoyance. And I think RTE needs an opportunity now, particularly the DG, to settle down into the job that he's been asked to do. Uh, and that can't really happen in any real way while this frenzy continues around RTE. Yeah. So I would hope that um, there'll be a, a, a time and a period to allow temperatures to calm a little bit to allow him to get on with his job, to introduce the reforms that he wants and that are required, that the public want, and maybe more importantly, that the staff want, to allow an opportunity to reinstill public confidence in RTE. Um, and the Minister, as you know, there's so many inquiries happening now. Kevin Backhurst announced another one yesterday around exit packages. The Minister has two reviews going on. There's external auditors going on. So while the frenzy hopefully will calm a little bit, there's a huge amount of work happening. Yeah. Now, now, my committee intends to reconvene, sorry to interrupt, in, intends to reconvene uh, perhaps when the, the, the second part of the Grant Thornton review is published, um, if there's any new revelations around that. But certainly, we were. I met with the Minister only yesterday to say that my committee stands ready to uh, try and complement the work that she's doing with the reviews, and we certainly hope we'd have yeah. cited those reviews as soon as they're now, available I, to us. I'm just presuming that the, the remit of your committee therefore will extend to the whole way RT will work going forward. I'm not sure, given, you know, your responsibility is not the cash, but still how RT is funded might be important to your committee. Um, You know, what assets um, might be put up for sale or otherwise, what are the vital activities of RT that could not be funded commercially and need to be funded uh, by some sort of uh, public funding, be it uh, through the exchequer or a media fee or whatever. I presume that'll be part of your analysis going forward. Absolutely, Pat. I mean, I'm certainly not going to bury my head in the sand. I, I've heard for a long number of years from Morty, in fact, probably any time they came before the committee, uh, about their financial constraints and difficulties, uh, about the, their, their uh, view of the, of the TV licence, that it's no longer fit for purpose. And I don't think that anybody in the government is disagreeing with that. And I know there's a huge piece of work to be done by government in relation to sitting down with Kevin Backhurst, seeing, I mean, I think he's going to have uh, to bring proposals to the table as to, as you said yourself, what happens with the campus? Does the campus remain the size that it, as it is? Does RTE move in a different direction? I know it's trying to, I suppose, digitalise itself even more and, and, and that. And what that means, like where is RTE going to be in 10 years? And of course, along with that, how is it going to be funded? They're absolutely questions that, that the government is going to have to face up to and address in a real yeah. way for survival and, and, and ensure that our public broadcaster is in a position yeah. to continue. And I mean, RT is a very important news gathering resource that uh, all other media will sometimes refer to. So if uh, RT were to go out of business, uh, many organisations in media, be they print or broadcast, would be all the poorer for that lack of information. But there might be questions which would be unpopular 
like RT is not behind a paywall. The Irish Times is behind a paywall. The Irish Independent is behind a paywall and so on. And often they see that as unfair competition. Now, you'd be a very brave committee to suggest that RT puts its digital output behind a paywall. Considering the, the, the debacle we've had this, this week as well with the GA Go and all that uh, uh, too about paywalls. Listen, the one thing I would say is the committee has done a lot of work on this, on, on the future of, of, of broadcasting. There's a huge um, appreciation, not just for RTE as a public service broadcaster, for, but for organisations like yourselves uh, and, and some of the local uh, organisations too that provide a really vital uh, part of um, public broadcasting, but more importantly, I suppose, from, from a government point of view, the importance that is for democracy and, and ensuring that, you know, society remains balanced and that, and that viewpoints are balanced and objective and that, you know, people are getting to the truth of what the issues might be. So I think that the intention of government would be that not just looking at our, our public broadcaster, but trying to come up with a mechanism that will also benefit independent broadcasters like yourselves um, I think that's hugely, hugely important. I think the, the committee is certainly committed to doing that. I, I realise that the future of broadcasting um, made 50, 49 recommendations and that one wasn't accepted, which was the one around funding. Mm. But I think like um, as part of what's happened here in RT, perhaps, you know, in every crisis, there is an opportunity and it has paved the way for, number one, the government facing up to what has to be done around funding and, number two, for RTE to make the changes that it also needs very to make well. Neve Smith, Chair of the Committee on Media, Tourism, Arts, Culture, Sport and the Gwaeltacht. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.